Hey everyone, I need your attention for one minute. This is not one of those ads. This is something that has changed my entire life. If you've been listening to this podcast, you know that this is all about personal development as the foundation for everything good in your life. And this podcast is now sponsored by Growth Day, which is the world's first all-in-one personal development app. I mean, oh my gosh, can you imagine having everything all in one place that you need to create the life that you want? Now you can. So if you've been struggling with your motivation, your mood, your productivity, or your purpose, you have to check this out. Growth Day helps you consciously change your life and achieve your potential. It has all the self-improvement tools, motivational classes, and life coaching all in one place. So many of us want to improve our lives, but the question is how? Where do we start? What do we use? How do you get unstuck? How do you make self-improvement stick? Well, research shows how. It's when you consistently journal, track your habits, set goals, learn from empowering mentors, and challenge yourself that you'll be happier, healthier, and more successful. But let me ask you something. Where do you actually do all of your personal development work? I have to tell you that over 300,000 people use Growth Day for a reason. It works. It's the world's number one software for self-improvement. Growth Day has an amazing mindset journal that I absolutely love, a habit tracker, and a goal-setting system. In fact, I bet if you went to my stories this week, you probably saw me using the journaling app and telling you to do it too, because it's the first time that journaling has ever actually stuck consistently in my life because of this app. And best of all, Growth Day has live inspirational classes every single week from the world's top motivational speakers and life coaches. These are people who have impacted my life in huge ways. These are mentors who I already knew and loved. In fact, this is something that's so huge for me, you guys. I personally teach a class in Growth Day every single month, and it is one of the most fun things that I get to do, and I'd love to see you there. These classes will truly shift your life. There's always something new that you will learn. So join me in 300,000 Achievers Growing Our Lives with actual real intention. Visit growthday.com slash Lori for a free trial. Yes, you can try this for free. So go to growthday.com slash Lori and go live your best life. You guys, that's growthday.com forward slash Lori. And I can't wait to see you there. I give you permission to offend and I give myself permission to offend because the fact is we are not going to please everyone ever, all of the time. Welcome to the Earn Your Happy Podcast. I'm Lori Harder, founder of The Bliss Project, three-time fitness world champion, fitness expert, and cover model turned self-love junkie, lifestyle entrepreneur, and author. Each week, I'll bring you a guest or a thought that will help you bust through your fears, connect to your soul, and get focused and clear so you can elevate your life, business, and relationships. We don't wait until we're ready for someone to tell us we're good enough. We take what we want and we anoint ourselves. Get ready to earn, own, and unapologetically rock your happiness every single day. Are you with me? Here we go. 
Welcome back to the show. And I'm so excited for my guest today because she's just one of those people who made an impact on me. I literally said, this person and this message has to be shared because I got so much freedom from what she said and when I got to hear her speak for the first time. So today I have an amazing guest, but before I tell you who she is, I am going to let you know that Chris and I have launched together an amazing mastermind. So you can go over to fortheloveofmoney.com over to Chris's site and check that out. I'm not going to give you too many details because it just went up. But if you have plans, if you have goals, if you want a group of people to move forward with in the new year, you have to go and check this out right now. This is basically like pre-launch. So go run, check it out. And my guest today is Rachel Luna. She's a best-selling author, international speaker, sales confidence strategist, and master coach. You guys, she's a former US Marine. She's like four foot 11. She's a firecracker. She has a rock steady reputation for inspiring confident action and helping her clients double, triple, and quadruple their income. She also is a podcast host, which was so much fun because we basically could not shut up. I could have taken three hours with her. And her podcast is called Real Talk with Rachel Luna. She dishes on how to gain more clarity and confidence in life and business. She has also created numerous courses. She hosts live events, which I also love because so do I. So we had so much to talk about. And she's working on her upcoming book, Girl Confident. So We talked about so many incredible things and I will tell you, this whole podcast is awesome, but some things came uh, at the 40 and 50 minute mark that I literally was like, thank you, Lord, that this woman is on this podcast and sharing her soul because I just got so much gold that she shared that just is rocking my world as far as declaring how to really manifest and declare your goals and call in exactly what you want. So let's get started. Rachel, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I'm so excited to chat with you today. Laurie, I'm so excited to be here today. Thank you for having me. Oh my God. So before we dive in, like I, I definitely got, you know, a taste for who you are and what you're about at Angie Lee's event where we got to meet, which was her amazing Pays to Be Brave event. But I absolutely loved that we were so we, a bunch of us girls were outside having lunch and you walked up in all of your just Whatever we're whatever we're gonna talk about today, whatever that was, like we're gonna we're gonna figure that out. Just all of this, so much you-ness, which is just so perfect because I think when people can really embody what you do and it's just you being you, that's where the power is. And you walked up and you sat down and you literally finished lunch with us. And I loved it because I was like, This is amazing. I love this human being who can just throw herself into any situation and show up exactly her. Like that is what it's a gift. So I'm so grateful to have this conversation because I've been wanting to have it since that event. So here we are. Well, thanks. I do want to just mention a little something. So first of all, listener, she's being so generous. I basically like gate crashed their lunch. I I knew one person at the table. I knew one. And she was like, yeah, come on down. I was like, "Uh, okay. But you know, it's interesting that you say that like I just showed up in all of my me. And I just kind of want to really clarify that you saw one aspect of me, right? Mm -hmm. 
And so that's something that's in, I think we should talk about more is that people see what we want them to see. Mm. And so there is a whole other side of me that is a little less extroverted. Mm. That's a little more quiet, a little more shy. Mm. Um, and for me, for example, if I were in a room with like a thousand people that I did not know, I don't know that I'd be as comfortable as I was to come in and have lunch, but I knew one person. Mm -hmm. And when I know one person, I feel like, okay, there's like safety. Mm -hmm. And so I just want to give that permission to anybody who's out there. Cause a lot of people, when they meet me, they have this uh, misconceived notion of that. I am always that way. And Mm -hmm. I'm not, and you don't always have to be one way. Mm. Uh, and you also don't have to be the way everyone expects you to be. Ooh, that is okay. First of all, it's the perfect bridge into what we are going to be talking about today. <laughs> and second, I love that you're saying that because number one, it is permission. And number two, it's being able to tap into knowing that you have that other side and being like, okay, we're going to use this today, or we can be mm-hmm. this today, or we can be this. So really knowing that it's all of it. And that is mm-hmm. so much permission. So before we do dive into what we're going to talk about, which is giving that permission to disappoint or offend or be confident or be quiet or, you know, go internal, whatever you need to do. I would love for you to share um, part of your story, just your backstory, how you got to this place. Because as I was reading your story, I was really, really moved. So I would love for you to just share where you came from. Okay. It's, it's, I'm going to do my best to do Cliff Notes version, right? Because every time someone asks me this question, I'm like, well, I'm getting older and I just keep getting older. And it older just adds and to the story. story. It adds, I know. That's exactly how I feel. I'm like, oh my God. Okay, Lori, you can do this. <laughs> yeah. The Cliff Notes is, um, you know, I am not, I was not always as confident as I am today. Both of my parents had AIDS and my biological mother passed away when I was three years old. Mm. My father at the time was also HIV positive. And rather than him take on the burden of raising me, he sent me to live with my godmother. Now, this is an important part of the story because what happened when three and a half year old Rachel um, was dropped off to live with my godmother, I had this very, actually at the time I was already four, but um, you know, four-year-old Rachel, I had this ver- very vivid memory of my father saying goodbye to me. And I was in the bathtub crying and the way that our house was set up is that the bathroom door was open. You could see the front door was, you know, it was just weird 1800 style home in New York City. And I'm watching my dad leave and I'm crying to him, daddy, please don't go. And he just left me. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, right at four years old, I told this story that, you know, everyone I love leaves me because my mother had died and my father had just left me. And I also um, grew up telling myself the story that my father had abandoned me. Even though he was intermittently present in my life, I took it as I was abandoned. Mm. And then years later, um, when he got remarried, even with HIV, like my dad was such a ladies' man because he had not one, but two other women after my mother. And the woman that eventually married him, his girlfriend before her had also died of AIDS. Like, I mean, he, he must have had a good pee-pee girl. That's all I got to say. <laughs> but anyway, so he, he got remarried and she had a daughter. And I remember that I would call my dad and say like, dad, can I come visit or can we do it? And he'd always say, I don't have enough money. I don't have money. I don't have money. And I said, well, dad, you know, we don't need money to have a picnic in the park. Like, you know, you're 
seven-year-old, eight-year-old self doesn't understand that that still requires money. Like a picnic in the park still needs money and food and train and stuff like that. But I remember thinking, well, why do you have money for them, but not me? Mm-hmm. And why do you have time for them and not me? And so I began to create all these stories. I also went through some other things that I don't talk about too publicly because there's still people in my family that are not 100% privy to like what went down. But you know, things happen that really should not have happened. And the result of that is that I grew up to be um, promiscuous. And I ended up having two eating disorders. And when my father died in 1999, that led me down this like downward spiral. I became an alcoholic and I barely graduated college. Somewhere in the middle of all of that, I get the great idea to join the United States Marine Corps. (laughs) (laughs) Mind you, I am 4'11 and a half. So I am a little, little thing. And I would also avoid a gym class, like PE, all my life. So I was in terrible shape. I was overweight. I was actually a weight recruit, which is code for fat in boot camp. And what they do at the time, I don't know what it's like now, but back in 1999, if you were overweight, they sprayed all of your t-shirts and your, your workout sweaters with two stripes so that everybody that saw you would know you were fat and you needed to lose weight. And so that gave all the other drill instructors extra permission to basically haze you. Mm. So in the midst of this, I'm, I'm battling eating disorders and I'm over, you know, sort of back and forth with my alcohol abuse. I graduate college by the skin of my teeth. I went to Penn State University and I graduated with a 1.9. And I had gone from having a 3.9 to a 1.9. So if you want to talk about like patterns of self-destruction, I was the queen of self-sabotage. I was chronically the girl who was either sleeping around with like, you know, fuck but oh sorry, can I say that? Like screw sure. buddies, you know. <laughs> you know, friends with benefits. So I either had a friends with benefits or I was the girl who was constantly with the guy who was in between relationships or kind of breaking up with his ex-girl, which is code for had another girlfriend. Mm. And so I constantly, like now that I look back, I could just see that I was just a broken girl who really did not value herself and who didn't have a sense of worth Mm. or self-esteem. And it was interesting because everyone that knew me thought I was confident. I was very good at hiding my pain. I also, at that time, went through a deep, dark depression where I was on not one, not two, but three different antidepressants. And I was diagnosed with bipolar. I was diagnosed with manic depression. Like, pick a diagnosis. <laughs> I went to all the shrinks and they, told, they all told me different things. So that's when I knew, well, I don't think it's what they're telling me. I think they just don't know how to categorize me. And so they're just going to give me whatever label they think fits. But that's not who I want to be. And that's not who God created me to be. Mm-hmm. And so I wish I could tell you that I had this like one rock bottom moment, Lori, but I didn't. I had a few. Mm-hmm. The first rock bottom moment was in college when I was, um, I woke up from a drunken haze in my apartment bathroom, it, surrounded by a pool of vomit. Mm-hmm. And with my hands, I literally began scooping it up and throwing it into the toilet bowl. Mm-hmm. And so you got to think about that. Like, that's pretty nasty. When I woke up that morning, I had the shakes. You ever have the shakes? Oh, after yeah, girl. Food? 
You're talking right? to a former one of those as well. <laughs> okay, good. So, you know, the, to, the cure to the shakes is to drink. Yep. <laughs> and so <laughs> I wake up in the morning, I have the shakes. And so I take a shot of Malibu and the <laughs> no. shake. Yeah. Not <laughs> Malibu. Like, yeah, Malibu, girl. We, we're classy back yep. then. <laughs> so I take a shot of Malibu and I look at the glass and I look at the bottle and I thought, oh, this can't be my life. This, can, this is not who God created me to be. So I went to my counselor. I went to AA. I, they did all, all of my teachers got together to have this like little summit meeting about me. And they all agreed that in order for me to graduate, I had to meet with my counselor every week. Every single teacher would sign off to make sure that I was attending class. If, if one signature was missing, the deal was off and I wouldn't be able to graduate on time. Mm. And so that was like my first lesson in like perseverance and in really going the extra mile because I took 23 credits during the summer, Mm. during the summer. Okay. So that was rock bottom moment. Number one, I kind of got it together. I graduated, you know, went off to work for corporate America Then I was in the Marine Corps reserves at that time. And then I get this great idea to go back on act, to go on active duty. Um, actually, I lie. We went out to war. We, the nation was at war. I got called up. I served in Iraq, and that was an incredible experience. When I came back and I tried to like re-enter into civilization, I couldn't do it because in my mind, the world had bigger problems to solve than spreadsheets and the number of car sales and things like that. Mm. So I went back into the Marine Corps, went on active duty and I got stationed. Well, actually I stationed myself. So my job in the Marine Corps was to place other reserve Marines Mm -hmm. in these, wherever we needed them. And one of the jobs that came across my desk was to work in Germany. And I looked at it and I was like, there's no way I'm sending anybody else but myself to Germany. And so um, the lesson that I want to share with that is that you have opportunities all around you if you are willing to say, hold on now, this one is for me and not for anybody else. And so I went to my boss. I said, I want to fill this. And she was like, you do? I said, yeah, there's no way. I'm, I'm not. You're not going to get me to put anybody else in that seat but me. She said, well, that job is really sensitive. You have to deal with wounded warriors. Because remember, at the time, we're at war. People are getting literally, Lori, blown up. Mm. One of my patients, had his, he had lost both of his legs, a part of his penis, like all kinds of internal organs were broken mm. and his mouth was wired shut. Mm. Um, and he also had almost every bone fractured in both of his hands. So, I mean, this is what we saw. I had patients who's literally, one of my patients' face was completely burned off. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you've ever seen a burn victim, mm-hmm. but you're like your heart breaks because you want to give them comfort. And there's literally barely anything that we could do while the skin is healing. And I remember this one moment where it, it itches, by the way, healing mm-hmm. skin itches and his nose itched. And when he touched it, a piece of his skin fell off. Mm. And I had to tell him like, please don't touch your face. I know it itches, but if you keep doing that, we're not going to have any skin left for you. Mm. And it was just like devastating. Anyway, so um, so I sent my so I had to interview for this job to prove that I was mentally sane enough and emotionally stable to handle it. I go there at the time I'm dating this guy, and we are just living our best lives. I had met him in Iraq. 
we're building this life together. He told me that he had been separated and all these things. And I believed him. And one day I discovered that he's not separated. He's actually happily ever after married. Mm. And his wife calls me and tells me, I know who you are. You're my husband's best friend. And he talks about you all the time. And I know he visits you and la, 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 la. Mm. The world came out from under my feet. Mm. And right at that time, everything was wrong in my life. I was over $40,000 in debt. The man of my dreams, so-called, was married happily. I was overweight. And one of my commanding officers had said, I will give you a better review if you lose 10 pounds because you don't look good in uniform. Even though I was below the height and weight standards for the Marine Corps, he didn't like the way I looked. Mm. And you know, it was all just coming up again. I'm not good enough. Like nothing I do is good enough. And so that's when I decided I have got to change again. This cannot be the life that God has for me. I was born to do big things and this ain't it. Mm. And so I hired a life coach. And as I'm working with her, she said, you should be a life coach. And I laughed at her. I said, girl, who is going to listen to me? I'm a hot mess. Like I have no authority. <laughs> to be a life coach. And she said, well, not now, but once you get through and you overcome, people are going to keep asking you how you did it. And it will be great if you had the tools to teach them. Hmm. And so she kind of got me curious on that. Okay. So I became a life coach. I got it together 18 months later. After all of that went down, I had not only paid off the $40,000 of debt, but I had also saved over $20,000 And I was able to buy a car, like brand new cash, paid in full, drive it off and own nothing, which was like, I had never experienced that. I had the worst credit in history. I was the type of person that the bills would come in and I wouldn't even look at them. I would just Mm. throw them away Mm -hmm. (laughs) thinking that if I threw them away, they would stop coming. And then I met my husband. We had our first daughter and it was just like this total 180 in a span of 18 months. And so as I began my life coach journey, I started, you know, I got my certification and I learned and I realized like I really want to help people break free from the BS stories mm. because it's all a story. And there's no reason why I should have had to go through all the things that I went through. Some of it was not my fault, right? Like I didn't mm. ask for my parents to be sick or for my dad to die or my mom to die or anything like that. Oh, by the way, somewhere in that 1999 self-destructive phase, my father died. Mm. And that's, that's where the alcohol binging came through. But so some of that I didn't ask for, but some of it I actually let happen, right? Because when that boyfriend, quote unquote, man of my dreams told me I'm separated, My answer should have been, okay, well, when you have a divorce paper to show me, then you can talk to me. Mm. That's what I should have said. But instead, I was so content with scraps of love, little love taps, right? Love hits. Because at the time I had addictive personality. And so I was addicted to love. I was addicted to sex. I was addicted to alcohol. I was addicted to being bulimic. I was addicted to being anorexic. Just depended on the day. But whatever, I was all in on anything that was self-destructive. And so, you know, then I became a life coach and I got it together and I started helping people. 
And what I discovered in helping people was that they would say that the number one result that they got from working with me, aside from doubling and tripling their income, because that was a byproduct. Mm. But what they got from working with me was increased confidence. And so I like to tell people that um, the fastest way to build your business is to build your confidence. Mm. Oh my everything God. you want, everything you desire is the byproduct of you stepping into the most confident version of yourself. Mm. That is... It. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. I think it's so important, obviously, to first have those realizations, like that self realization. So for people who are listening, I'm sure so many people just found themselves in either all of your story or a small part of your story or in the middle of their story right now. What do you think is the most important first step into really not being defined by that anymore? Yeah. So I actually talk about this in my upcoming book. It's called Girl Confident. And that's exactly what chapter one is all about. The first step is separating the facts from the story. Mm. And I gave you that illustration is that the fact was my dad gave me to my godmother, not because he didn't love me, but because he was incapable of taking care of me the way that he wanted me to be raised. Mm. But the story that I told myself is my dad doesn't love me. My dad abandoned me. That wasn't the fact. In fact, if I, as I did this work in my own life, I discovered that really my godmother had asked my father on numerous occasions to adopt me. And he said, they, he said no. And then he said yes. And then he kind of waffled back and forth. And one day they had an appointment to actually go make it legit. And my father did not show up to the lawyer's office. And so that night when my mom called him, cause you know, there were no beepers or pagers or anything back in the day. <laughs> you, there was nowhere to call. If you didn't show up, you got stood up and that was that. So mm. later that evening, he said, I'm sorry, I just can't give her up. Mm. And so my father, even though he was seldom present in my life intermittently, his belief was if I give her up for adoption, then that means I'm giving her up. Mm. My belief was the minute you left me at that household where you gave me up. Mm. But both of us were operating from story. The fact was my godmother raised me. That's it. Mm -hmm. That's the only fact of the story. Mm. And, And in fact, now, you know, facts can change. Let's go even deeper and let's look for the truth. Mm. The truth of that is that my dad loved me so much. He wanted better for me. Mm-hmm. And he knew that better for me was not with him. And as I, as I am now a parent, I imagine how difficult that must have been for him. You know, we get very caught up in wanting to blame our parents or our grandparents or whoever, we, whoever raised us for our circumstance and situation as if they should know better, right? Mm-hmm. I hear a lot of clients tell me, well, my mom should have known. My mom should have known. But really, why should they have known? Mm-hmm. Who would have taught them that if they were not raised that way, if they were dealing with their own pretty childhood, how could they know? They were just doing the best that they could with the information that they had available. And that's what we're all doing right now. Mm. Yeah, that, that's been one of the biggest thing that's freed me as well is going back and really putting myself in that person's situation and being like, wow, like I can't, mm-hmm. it's completely different when you view it as them, as a person <laughs> just mm-hmm. trying to deal and do the best that they possibly can. That's so incredibly freeing. Mm-hmm. So 
for where people are right now, because I think, you know, one of the one of the reasons I really wanted to have you on that I'm so excited, not only for what you all shared, because it's so freeing to see who you are now and hear the way that you're talking, especially with overcoming everything that you did. So for people who are in this new year phase right now, and they're setting their goals and they're looking at everything that they want to do and they're doing all of the right stuff because I see it all mm-hmm. of the time. We're doing all the right stuff. We're listening to the podcast. We're reading the books. But there's always when you go to take action on those goals, there's always going back to the root of mm-hmm. fear. Mm-hmm. The fear of people pleasing, the fear of disappointing people, the fear of being too much, the fear of being not enough, the fear of not knowing whether when to be, you know, when to be outward and when to be networking. Like there's so much that mm-hmm. even though the goals are there, we get so overwhelmed. So I want to just start with the first one, which I think for a lot of people in the beginning phases, even if they, you know, even if it's someone who's really established, but moving into something new or a new area, new business or wanting to do new things, a lot of times we we kind of can go into sabotage because that root of either people pleasing, putting ourselves out there or asking for, you know, money because it's sales. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that can really start to get to people. So what is something that you deal with when people are talking about the the true root that really stops them of fear? Okay. So this is my belief is that all of us, every single human being, the real fear is that we're not enough. Mm. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not fast enough. I am not a fast thinker enough. Literally, as you were talking to me, I was doing something called already always listening, where it's like, we're kind of listening, but we're also preparing what we're going to (laughs) say. And and a limiting belief came up for me as you were talking of, I'm not a fast thinker. I need to be be able to think faster. Mm. And it's so funny because I heard and I was like, eh, shut up. I'm I'm perfectly fast. Like I'm totally fine on my feet, right? But so the root cause is we don't believe that we're good enough. Now, there are some people who will argue with me and say, that's not my belief. And right, that may not be the belief that you're conscious to. So you might think that it's not that you don't believe you're not good enough. You might believe that you're a procrastinator or you might believe that you're too busy or you might believe that um, the demands in your life are too much. You have kids and, and everything else. But really, if you were to look at it, right, if you are a procrastinator, then that means that you are not good enough at taking action on the spot. Mm. If your life is so busy that you don't have enough time, then that means you're not good enough at time management, right? So the real root is we're not good enough. Mm. And the truth is, Lori, we're not, right? Like, let's just get free about that. We're never as good as we want to be because if we were, what would be the point of life? There would be no growth left. Mm. So that should be an exciting thing that, oh my gosh, I have room to grow. Oh, I have opportunity to get better. Oh, I'm still growing. I'm still learning. Um, I talk about this a lot as well is that we're in this rush to get to the finish line and we're like racing against the clock and I should be further along. I should be further along because people think that there's this like end goal in mind and that once you get there, all of a sudden, all these things are going to happen. But I could promise you from having set end goals and then achieving the goal, once you get to wherever there is, right? I'm here. I want to get there. Once you get there, there becomes here. And so now there's a new there that you're trying to get to. And so what I like to remind people is like, look, 
the end goal of life is death. And I don't know about you, but I'm not trying to rush to death. So let me enjoy this process. Let me enjoy the lesson. Let me enjoy the fear because fear is just a reminder that you're still alive Mm -hmm. and that your mortality is in question. And that's exciting to me, right? I have completely reframed fear. And you were saying something before about like the fear of showing up for people or the fear when it comes to taking the action. What I think happens is that too many people are waiting for the fear to be absent, to take Mm -hmm. action. And I don't wait for fear to be absent. I acknowledge it. I'm totally scared right now, but I'm doing it anyway. Mm -hmm. And I used to share this story. I I used to have this extreme fear of flying. I mean, I needed to have Xanax and get drunk on the plane just to make it through. (laughs) And I would have nightmares days up ahead of the flight. I would have nightmares of, you know, all the things that could go wrong. And I would hyperventilate walking on the tarmac to just get onto the plane. And I had to learn that in order for you to be able to do things in fear, right, in spite of fear, is that you have to surrender your emotional attachment to the outcome. Well, Rachel, how do I do that? Easy. You examine all of the possible outcomes. So if we're looking at the, this is how I literally got over my fear of flying. Okay, what are the possible outcomes? Outcome number one is the plane is going to arrive safely and then I will get to go where I want to go and yay, all is well. Outcome, you know, possibility number two is the plane is super turbulent and I'm sick, but I still land. Okay, I'm I'm good with that. I'm I don't it doesn't sound enjoyable, but I would be okay with that. Mm-hmm. Option number three, the plane crashes, but I survive. Okay, I might be traumatized and I might never ever get on a plane, but cool, I'm good. I'm still alive. Option number four, and this is the scariest of them all, the plane crashes and I don't see my family again. Mm. And for the longest time, I was not okay with that. Mm. And there was no way I could, I, no, I'm not okay with it. I can't, I don't, I don't want that to be my reality. I can't, I can't, I can't. And then I remembered that we're really always putting out the vibration of like, attracting things. And I realized that the more I fear this, the more I'm going to call that in. And so I have to stop calling that in. And so I said, okay, well, what would get me okay with this idea? And then I said, well, am I right with God? Mm. Yes, I'm right with God. Right. So this is my faith coming in. And this is where your faith, your belief, your core values are very instrumental to you releasing your emotional attachment to the outcome. Mm. As for me and my family, we're Christians, we will serve the Lord. And so I have great comfort in knowing that even if, God forbid, I died in a plane crash, God is going to take care of my kids the way he took care of me when my mother died. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean that they're not going to go through whatever they're meant to go through in life. It just means that He's going to do for them the same that he did for me and take care and get me through, get them through the way that I got through. Mm. And maybe even better, right? Now, and, and I just said something that's really important too, right? I said, that just means. But the truth is, that's what I'm making it mean. Mm-hmm. It would actually mean nothing at all other than I died and whatever's going to happen to my children is going to happen to my children. I have no control over that. And I have to be okay with not having control. Mm. That's so beautiful because it can truly be blanket, like that can be blanketed over everything um, that we're talking about because what are you going to make it mean? 
Mm-hmm. What are you going to make it mean in the end when people criticize you for thinking that you're charging too much or thinking mm-hmm. that you said something wrong or, you know, offending people or not being politically correct or all of these different things that are happening in the world that you can choose to be afraid of and mm-hmm. make it mean that you're done or make mm-hmm. it mean that you're growing. So mm-hmm. I want to talk about the the fear of being criticized first by Mm. family, because I think that that's the one that a lot of people are like, well, what happens when it's your family though, when it's people that you can't, you know, not be with in your life or the people who know you the best, quote unquote, know you the best. (laughs) Yeah. What would you say to that? So my godmother, I call her my mom. So just moving forward, if I say my mom, that's who we're talking about, the woman that raised me. Mm Um, who, by the way, is my heart. I love her with all every cell in my body. But she was for the longest time like my biggest hater. And they said, <laughs> <laughs> oh my yeah. god! Like I remember. So I wanted to growing up. I wanted to be an actress. And she was like, nope, you're going to college. I have this responsibility. And you know, I told your mom. I told. I made all these promises. Like, no, 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 no. And basically I had to live my life so that she could look good in front of all these other people because she was raising me. Mm. And so um, there was this one moment when I went back home to live with her as an adult and she literally woke me up. I talk about this in my first book, Successful People Are Full of Crap, but she literally woke me up every morning saying, Rachel, it's 6 a.m. When are you going to get your life together? No bull. That's how she woke me up every single day for six months until I moved back out of the house. (laughs) And here's the thing. It's not that she didn't love me. And when I wanted to quit um, my job and just like focus on doing my own thing, she was like, no, you're going to give up your benefits and health insurance. And like, you need security. You need stability. You know, this little side thing that you want to do. No, I find that People closest to us criticize us because they don't understand and their own fears are being projected through us. Mm. So, so my hater number one was my mom. And every time I would post something on social media, I would get a text message. Must you broadcast your whole life on social oh, no. media? <laughs> Must you always talk about this? Must you do that? You shouldn't do this. And she had all these opinions for me. And <laughs> Out of respect for her, my answer to her was, you know what, mommy, you're right. I'll do better next time. You know what, mommy, you're right. You're right. I shouldn't have done that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that it offended you. I'm sorry that I hurt your feelings, whatever. And I just apologized. I yesed her to death, right? But I didn't change my way of being. I just acknowledged her feelings about the situation. Because what I recognized is that the more I live for her, the less I fulfill why I was created. Mm. And that's a sad thing to go through life, not actually living up to who God called you to be. Now, hater number two in my life was my husband. Mm. And this clown said to me one day, (laughs) listen, girl, I am a life coach at the time in the early stages of, of life coaching early stages of my business, no real failures yet. So I'm, I'm still pretty like bright eyed and just like, this is going to work. Right. Yes. And I'm talking to him about like my goals and my plans. And he says, I don't believe in what you do. Mm. And I remember I went so numb. He, he quickly followed up. He said, but I believe in you. So do what you're going to do. 
But all I heard was, I don't believe in what Mm -hmm. you do. And then he went on to say like you, Tony Robbins, all you life coaches, you're just scammers, you're marketers. Why do people need anyone to hold them accountable? Why can't they just achieve their goals and do what they say they're going to do? Because see, what my husband doesn't understand is that my husband has great work ethic and my husband has a very strong mindset. He also is a Marine. And not only is he a Marine, but he's one of like, he was the best at everything he did. So he was the honor graduate. And then he was the whatever. Then he was a drill instructor. And then he wasn't just a drill instructor. He was a senior drill instructor. Like, and even now, like he's a master gunnery sergeant, like he can't go any higher, right? Mm-hmm. He, he can't get promoted anymore. So he's just, and not only that, he was like a competitive gymnast and he always <laughs> won all the competitions. So he has this track record of, he's a winner. Mm-hmm. My husband is a winner. And I always associated as mediocre. I'm average. And for most of my life below average, I'm always teetering somewhere below average and average and that status quo. So for someone who's a winner, they don't understand the struggles of a below average or mediocre person, Mm -hmm. especially when that low average uh, mediocre person wants to be a winner Mm -hmm. and wants greatness but just falls short. And so I had to recognize that my husband wasn't coming from a a place of that he didn't believe in me. It was just from his place of he didn't understand Mm -hmm. my, my drive and my desire. And then as I started taking bigger risks in business, he really started becoming a naysayer of like, well, I don't, you're, you're spending all this money, you're doing all this traveling and I don't see the money coming in and Mm -hmm. da, 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 da. And I had to remind him, like, I am making a, this is a long game that I'm playing. And I know you don't see it now, but I see it every single day when people send me messages and say, thank you for that post. Mm -hmm. Or when someone tells me, thank you, I read your book and it changed my life. I said, I know that it doesn't mean anything to you because you're looking for dollars and cents. But for me, knowing that I'm impacting people means more than any dollar that I will ever make. And I know that if I keep impacting people and if I keep showing up, the money's going to come. And I know you don't believe that, but I believe it enough for both of us. Mm. And so as I continue to do, right? So now my mom is telling me no. My husband is telling me no. My husband and I are on the brink of divorce because I'm just getting tired of his ass and he's getting tired of my ass. Like we're just (laughs) over each other. And so I just, if I can, I just want to throw a little bit of marriage wisdom out there for you. Mm. If you're in that space where I went wrong, is that I kept trying to talk to my husband about my business, something that number one, he did not understand. And number two, he felt he was in competition with because my business was taking me away from him. So he resented my business. And it's like, I just kept throwing in his face the thing that I love so much. I was really throwing my mistress in his face. Mm -hmm. And so when I decided, okay, like, wait, 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 we got to fix this. We got to heal this. I stopped talking to my husband about my business and I started talking to my husband about things that were interesting to him. I started looking for more ways for us to connect on a personal level, things that we had in common. I started having more sex with my husband, even when I didn't feel like having sex with my husband, because I knew that was important to him. And the cool thing about, you know, the mind is the mind will follow the body. Like if you just get going and started at some point, your mind will surrender because physiologically it will start to feel good. Right. Mm -hmm. I I hope, (laughs) I I mean, for us, that's always been the case, but 
So once I started realizing that you can't talk about everything with everybody in your life. So for the people in your life that are closest to you, stop talking about your business with them. Mm. Talk Mm -hmm. about the things that matter to them. Talk about things that they care about. And when they start to offer you advice, say, thanks, I'll take that into consideration. You don't have to argue with them. Where I think we lose the battle is when we try to get them to see our Mm. point of view. Why? That's such a waste of my time. It's a waste of my time and energy to try to get my mom, who is 72 years old and set in her ways, to understand my perspective. It's mm-hmm. foolish. And I don't know about you, but I choose wisdom over tomfoolery. Mm-hmm. The other thing is that they don't have your penchant for risk. And my husband shared that with me a little while back. He said, Babe, you know, I really admire the way that you put yourself out there. You take risks, you say what you want to say, you never worry about what people think of you. And I could never do what you do. Mm. This came after nine years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, this would have been great in the beginning. <laughs> it would have been so good in year one. So I want to remind you that you're playing the long game. Mm-hmm. And a lot of their criticism and judgment comes from their own fear. Whenever we are excelling or doing anything, we're holding up a mirror to the other person. And all they get to see is a reflection of everything they are not doing. Mm-hmm. It's one of the reasons why I trigger a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and people have you know, unfollowed me and left and then come back and say, I had to unfollow you because you trigger me. Mm-hmm. You just say whatever you want to say and you don't care about how you hurt people. And mm-hmm. that is not true, Lori. Mm-hmm. I care deeply. I am not out to intentionally offend people, but I am 100% okay offending people in my truth. Mm. How did you get to that place? Well, I think it was a series of things, but there there was this one pivotal moment that I remember. A really good girlfriend of mine who's Jewish said to me, stop talking about God so much. You talk about God too much in your business and you're going to alienate people. Mm. And she was further along in her business at that time. And so I thought, well, maybe, maybe there's something to it. Maybe I Maybe I am talking. Maybe I am one of those Bible thumpers. I don't want to be that. That's not how I want to be perceived or seen. So let's go ahead and water down my message. Let me dilute this. And what ended up happening is I attracted a witch to work with me. And by the way, if you're a witch, no shade. Mm -hmm. However, she was like, hey, I do those. I don't even know what they're called, but it's like you draw a circle on the floor and and whatever, triangles and whatnot. And she's like, I'll do one for you if you want. And I was like, "Uh uh-uh, no, 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 no. I don't want that. And so what I discovered is that when I diluted my message, I began to attract people that I really didn't want to work with and that I wasn't called to serve. Now, for the record, this lady was lovely. She was super kind and sweet and lovely But every time I got on the phone with her, I felt this like uneasiness. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you've ever had a client like that where there's Mm -hmm. nothing wrong with them. They're just not the right fit for Mm -hmm. what you want to do and for how you want to help them. Mm -hmm. And so I realized like, wait a second, if I, and and the other thing too was I always felt nervous to talk about God because I didn't want to offend her. And because Mm -hmm. I was nervous that I might say the wrong thing, I didn't serve her 
to the best of my ability. Mm-hmm. I was um, holding back on things that I knew I should do and say that I knew were going to help her because I was afraid to offend her. And it was in that moment that I decided I am not doing this anymore. I'm going to talk about God. And if people don't like it, well, then they don't have to follow me. And look, I don't have a ministry, right? Like my business isn't a ministry. I don't like, I don't sell prayer journals or things like that. Maybe one day I will, but it's just, that's not what I have right now. But I didn't want to have to censor who I was to make other people feel comfortable in my presence because nobody, I don't see other people censoring themselves to make me feel comfortable. Like like she was totally 100% comfortable being a witch and asking to do witchcraft on me. Mm -hmm. She was not worried that she was going to offend me. Mm -hmm. And so from that moment, I decided I'm not worried about who I offend. I'm worried about who I don't serve by Mm. pretending to be somebody that I'm not. Mm. Oh, that's so powerful. And you know, I love that statement that you made just about it's totally okay if they're not right for you, because I think we can also get attached into that as we go down this um, just self-awareness and self-development spiral, which is beautiful, but it can also get crazy, right? So we can be like, oh my God, why did I attract this person? Or, oh my God, this person's not right for me, so they're wrong. And that's that's another thing to get attached to that just distracts. It's like nobody's wrong. Yeah. That's it's beautiful to to actually acknowledge that your intuition was like, no, this isn't right, but awesome. Now move on. So it's, right. it can actually go the other way, which is so great. It can be like, wow, good for you. You noticed when it wasn't right for you. Yeah, and also I also want to say like, pay attention. Excuse me to those moments and really try to think about what was happening in your body because. If we don't pay attention, if we become desensitized, and if we take on this attitude of, I want to help everybody, I can help anybody, mm. that's, where we, that's where we start to attract the wrong people. And I actually just had that experience happen recently. A lovely woman who wanted to work with me. And in our first initial call, I knew it wasn't a good fit, but my ego was like, girl, you're such a great coach. Who can't you help? You could mm. totally help this girl. And so my ego said yes. And it actually, the coaching relationship ended on a very sour note. And it was like, I'm okay with it. I don't know how she feels about it. And I'm not concerned with how she feels about it because that's not my bag to carry, right? Mm. I had to forgive myself for doubting my own, you know, for not trusting myself because I knew on that first call, this is not a good fit. And we have to learn how to quiet the ego. Ego is great, right? Because ego gets you to do things, the scary things. Mm-hmm. Ego gets you in the game and in competition and like, you know, charging. And mm-hmm. also ego takes you over the edge and leads to your demise. Mm-hmm. And so you have to play a really, you got to know how to play your ego and how to put it in check. And so my ego took a bruise that day and it was such a beautiful lesson and I'm so grateful. And I give my ego a big old hug and say, you know what, champ, we tried it, but now we know better. <laughs> and it's okay. Mm. Can it I ask you, because I'm totally playing in this area right now as well, yeah. because sometimes I feel so in check. I'm like, I got this. I can tell the feelings and I can feel the emotions. Mm-hmm. I know exactly what to avoid and whatnot. And then other times I'm like... I can either create a story where I'm like, no, this is the fear around this. So keep exploring it. Have you noticed something like that? And am I explaining it enough? Am I? Yeah, I know know what what you're saying. You're like, so where's the line there? Where's the line of like, well, let me explore and, and, 
and see if I'm supposed to actually take this leap and go into the deep side or... Yes. Like, should I learn more about this? Totally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that I actually just went through that last week with something, you know, some investment I was considering making. And there was this gut feeling that like, no girl, be still. Mm. And then there was another part of me is like, well, are you operating from a space of lack? Are you playing small? Are you? And so I had that like cognitive dissonance going on. So cognitive dissonance is where you have two opposing desires coming in at the same time. And there's this conflict and you're thinking like, man, am I making the right choice or what am I doing? Mm -hmm. What I discovered in that journey was go back to your value and what you have already established you are going to focus on for the season. Mm -hmm. And for me, I do everything by the quarter. So everything is very seasonal for me. And so when I looked at the quarter, it wasn't that I was operating in lack. It's just that even though that, that shiny object was a great offer and yes, the investment was not really scary, but the reason why there was that hesitation is because I have my money earmarked to do other things that are more aligned with the goals that I have for this season. Mm -hmm. And so it's not about playing small. It's about playing into the hands that you've already picked up for the season Mm -hmm. or for the quarter or for the year. Mm -hmm. Well, and then you get to revisit Mm -hmm. and, and say like, okay, so the quarter is ended how does that feel? Like, is there still an inkling? Now, I also feel like there's going to be someone who is listening that says, but what if there's a time limit? What if like, it's an opportunity and I only have, you know, a day to make a decision or, you know, it's that lose yourself moment. And so what I would say is, is it a full body? Yes. Mm -hmm. Because that full body, yes, never lies. Right? Mm-hmm. Even when it's the scary thing, even when you're like, man, I don't even know how I'm going to pay for this. And I remember having that moment. There was this one moment where it was $25,000 mastermind and I was not making anywhere near the kind of money that you need to be making to invest in a $25,000 mastermind. But it was such a full body. Yes. I like, I could, I saw myself getting the acceptance letter. I saw myself, you know, hobnobbing and rubbing elbows with this person and being in their inner circle. And everything was like, oh my gosh, I need to be there. And still that voice was like, girl, you don't make that kind of money yet. You don't belong there. Who do you think you are? And so then I had, then I had to have a hard conversation with my husband. Hey babe, can you lend me this money on your credit card? I promise I'll pay you back. No evidence whatsoever that I could pay him back. (laughs) Mm -hmm. However, the yes was so resounding in my body that not only he said yes, and, and he had a, he had to really so much faith. And I give him so much credit for that within the three weeks. I made all the money back mm. for that mastermind investment and I paid him back. Wow. I had never had explosive results like that because, but until I showed an explosive amount of faith in myself and in my ability. Mm. So do you think that that was like just showing up so much because you knew you invested that much or was it just like because you were putting out this huge statement to yourself and to the universe, to God, to what do you think were all of the... Because 
you're freaking me out how much we actually like I actually have almost this exact story with the same amount of money um (laughs) and going to my husband and saying the same thing and him being like you know what the you know crap but like (laughs) so for you because I'm kind of looking back at all of the things that 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 shifted. But I mm-hmm. want the listeners who have not done something like that yet, and we're not yeah. necessarily saying go and do this, but part of us is. Um, but at the same time, you have <laughs> to have the feelings that we're talking about. Um, so for you, once you knew that that was yours, uh, you, that you were meant to do that, what mm-hmm. do you, th- once you said yes to it, please, can you tell me all of the pieces that you mm-hmm. think fed into being able to make up that amount of money because yeah. that would have never happened before without doing that. Yeah, absolutely. So the number one hands down is my faith in God. Mm-hmm. But and and so that's all I'm gonna say. I just had an extreme amount of faith that because my husband and I we the first time ever we prayed together, we held hands and we prayed in our in our kitchen. And I remember thinking like wow God you're already doing above and beyond. I never thought I'd see the day and the moment when my husband and I would pray together. So that was number one. So I got to give him the glory first. Then second, the human action that I took was I journaled around. Like journaling is a huge, huge, huge thing for me. And I like I even have a course about it. And so I remember grabbing my journal and writing in detail what this experience was going to be like as if it had already happened. I remember journaling in great detail what it was going to be like when I got that acceptance letter, when we were at the first retreat and all these things that were going to happen as if it had already happened as a result of my faith. And so I really believe in activating your faith. A lot of people say like, well, I believe, I believe. And, you know, but it's not just about think, believe and receive like the law of attraction. There has to be an action associated with all that faith and all that belief. And then there's another component that people don't talk about, which is the knowledge. Mm -hmm. And so it's not enough to just think. It's not enough to just believe. It's not enough to just have faith. There has to be a knowing. And all of that, comes together when you take action. And so for me, the first action was prayer. The second action was writing it down. And so, you know, I think it's Habakkuk or whatever. It's written down somewhere. Write the vision and make it plain. But if you actually took the time to study um, the original text and translate it in, in, in the original language, it's write the vision down and make it plain actually means Write it down so big that when people run by, they can read it Mm. easily. And so when I started going deeper into like, well, what does this writing the vision mean? I took two things away. Number one, you have to write the vision big. You got to write a big vision, bigger than you think is possible. Because when you write it big, now you've opened up opportunity. And you have to start telling people about it so that other people can start working on your behalf. Mm -hmm. So one of my favorite things to say is people of influence are working on my behalf. Mm -hmm. People of influence are working on my behalf 24-7. And then you have to write it as if it already were, right? You have to write it as if it's already happened because when you do this, it unlocks your subconscious and your subconscious mind begins to look around your environment and say like, well, wait a second, we wrote this down somewhere, but I don't, we wrote down that there's a chandelier in the office, 
but I don't see a chandelier in the office. And so all of a sudden you find yourself on Wayfair looking for chandeliers and then you buy the chandelier because now your subconscious mind is trying to bring into reality that thing that you wrote about. And so for me, I had written that I was going to be, that I was, because I wrote it as if it had already happened. I wrote that I was a top 10 affiliate for a particular program. And so when that happened, all of a sudden, my whole way of being shifted. And so I was writing email sequence and I was, there was no live stream at that time, but there were, you could do videos. And so um, you could do videos and you could do webinars at that time. So I was doing videos and I was doing webinars and I was, I was doing all these things that I had not previously done mm. because I wrote it down and said I had done it. Mm-hmm. And so I needed my reality to match what I had already said had happened. Mm. So when you write it down, do you go back and look at it each morning or is this an every morning? I thing? keep writing it down. You keep so writing, you rewrite it. I, yeah, I rewrite it. Now, if I'm short on time, I will go back and I will reread it out loud. And the reason why I say read it out loud is because our faith does not come by sight. Our faith comes by hearing. When we hear the testimony of others, when we hear ourselves speaking life into ourselves, our faith is increased. We keep waiting. That's why people say like, well, I'll believe it when I see it. Well, that's wrong. Mm. You have to believe it before you can see it. Mm-hmm. If you wait to believe it till you see it, you've already lost the game. It's mm-hmm. already happened and it's happened without you, by the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it happened <laughs> with somebody else. Mm-hmm. So you have to hear it. And so I will read my vision out loud. And there's this wonderful little app called Think Up. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've heard of it, Mm-mm. but Think Up allows you to record affirmations in your own voice and it sets it to music. And I love this little bad boy because I record them all and I go to sleep listening to my own voice. Mm -hmm. Tell me how freaking awesome I am and tell me all the things that I'm going to accomplish the next day. Mm -hmm. And so a great practice is for you to look at your action items the night before and make the affirmation of today was a phenomenal day. I completed whatever it is that you think you want to do on the next day and go to sleep listening to that and wake up in the morning listening to that and just watch and see if your day won't change. Mm. Watch and see if you won't be the most productive you've ever been. Mm. Okay. I'm downloading. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I love that. That's funny because there was before the app, people were kind of like trying to figure out their own hodgepodge of how to do that. And I was literally Mm going to try to figure out how to do it because I'm like, no, I want to hear what I want to hear from my life. Yes, Yes. (laughs) That's so awesome. Well, great. This podcast was for me. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Do you love that? Like create the things that you wish like you had in your life. And here we are. I am always, when I interview people on my podcast, I'm always like, I'm selfishly asking all the questions that I have and hopefully somebody else needed to hear it too. (laughs) Oh, hell yes, sister. I have like four pages of notes here that are pretty much just for me. So um, (laughs) yeah, yeah, this is amazing. So I want to, honestly, our time is like gone by so fast, but I want to end on one last question of Mm -hmm. really talking about when people like rooting back into remembering why and giving yourself the permission to offend other 
people. Like that phrase is so incredibly powerful for me. I've like dipped back into it so many times since hearing you saying it, say it mm-hmm. because people are about to really start to step into putting their authentic selves out there and it's going to be amazing and it's going to be the ride of their lives. But it's also going to bring some really low lows because they're going to get criticized. They're going to get judged. They're going to question who they are. They're going to question if it's worth it. They're going to question if they should, you know, protect the real them and not show up in this way. So what do you say to them when that criticism comes in the external, like when it can be really crazy? Mm-hmm. Okay. So first of all, for context for the listener, cause they didn't hear me say that. They didn't, I didn't say permission to offend yet today, but I want to give you all permission to mm-hmm. offend. And what I said I said what I said. Do you watch Real Housewives? <laughs> okay, so what I what I was saying was, you know, I give you permission to offend, and I give myself permission to offend because the fact is, we are not going to please everyone ever, all of the time, right? And so people are judging you twenty four seven, whether you say what they want you to say or whether you say whatever you want to say. And guess what? Even when you do what they want you to do, even when you say what they want you to say, they're still judging on how you did it and how you said it. So you cannot escape the judgment. So for me, it's like, I'd rather be judged on who I really am with the words that I really want to say, speaking in my own truth, rather than you judging me on whatever it is you think you want me to do for you. Mm. And also recognizing that there's more power in your truth than in you trying to be fake for them. Mm. Like when is fake ever real? Mm-hmm. Never. That's mm-hmm. why it's fake. And so when you are afraid to show up and speak your truth, you're speaking fake. Mm. Okay. You got to recognize that if you're not speaking your truth, you're speaking a lie. Mm-hmm. And so If I want to post something on social media and I'm worried about how other people are going to perceive it, that's okay. I'm not telling you not to experience that feeling. I think that people are trying to avoid that feeling. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, I don't want to feel that way. So how do I get to the point where I never, look, I still worry about that. The thought still comes in my mind. Oh my gosh, is this going to resonate? Oh, what if I offend people today? Mm -hmm. That that does not necessarily go away. It's the conversation that you have with yourself when that happens. And so I will look at something and I will read it and I'll say, okay, well, is this going to serve more than it hurts? Mm. And is the pain of this potentially going to stimulate growth for someone else? Mm. Or am I saying something that is just straight up hurtful for the sake of hurting someone because I am in pain. And so if the answer is yes and yes to those first two questions, you're golden. Mm -hmm. If the answer is yes to that third question, then you know, hold on, I can't post this. I gotta, I gotta refine. I have to heal Mm -hmm. because I'm responding in pain. Mm -hmm. I'm showing up in pain. I'm doing this rant because I'm in pain. Oh, those are really clarifying questions. So, mm-hmm. so when you, when it comes, cause it's coming mm-hmm. at it's one gonna point. Come. It's, it's going to come. It's going to come. How do you work through it? How do you let go? How do you not let it in? How do you keep going? How do you forgive yourself and give yourself yeah. grace? Yeah. Okay. So, so when it comes and I know I'm going to write something and I know there's a percentage of my audience that's going to be offended, but I also know that it is my truth 
I remind myself that every time I speak my truth, someone else gets a chance to grow. Mm. Do I care more about helping one person grow than I do not offending a hundred other people? Mm. What's more important to you? Because remember, it all comes down to what are your core values and what are your beliefs? And so for me, I was put on this planet to help people grow. And so my concern is not on the people that don't grow. It's not on the people that get triggered by me. It's not on those people. My focus is on the people that I have been put on this planet to serve and help them get to their next level. And as long as I'm focused on helping people get to their next level, I trust and believe that the people who are triggered and the people who are offended will get growth from that moment of trigger and offense. And in fact, can I just share this one quick story? Because this was really, it was so powerful. At Pace to be Brave, a really lovely woman came up to me and she said, I don't know if you remember me, but um, we had a call last year and you didn't take me on as a client. And at first I didn't remember, but when she started telling me, I was like, oh yeah, 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 I do remember. And she said, well, I just want you to know that you didn't take me on as a client and I believed in myself so much that I went out and I did what I said I was going to do and I made a quarter of a million dollars this year. Wow. And now here's the kicker. I had had several similar conversations that week with other people who were like trying to jump ship. And I, and I did a post where I offended a bunch of people. And I was like, look, if you're a Beachbody coach trying to be a business coach, you're wrong. You need to have a business first. You need to know how to make profit before you start trying to help people build their businesses. And you know, I was like over it, right? And my own little, this is my own belief. Mm-hmm. But she really thought that I was like just responding just to her. And I said, no, that wasn't really about you. It was like, you know, it was a collection. It's like, yeah, no, but I'm the one. And I was like, no, you weren't really the one. There were like three other people that same day. And so I realized like she was assigning meaning and value and I was assigning meaning and value. And, you know, we could have kept on this merry-go-round, but the really awesome part was that when I did not accept her as a client, it triggered her. Mm. And it triggered her to go and do something. I believe she had better results on her own than if she and I had worked together. I really believe that because I was not meant to serve her in that moment. And thank God that my ego was not in the way that day and that I was able to say, I am not the right person for you. Mm. And you have to recognize that you, you might offend someone and you might say something that hurts them, but that thing that you say that hurts them might propel them to their next level. And so what if it wasn't you that helped them get there? Mm-hmm. They got there and that's freaking awesome. Oh, I, okay. That's, so that's an even more full circle story because there's so many times that we want to make it better and we want to make it right. And sometimes you were meant to play that role for people because think of the role that when we've gotten offended and taken massive action, that if that person would have been like, you know what? I'm sorry. Yes, Mm -hmm. let's do it. You would have been like, actually (laughs) that it was supposed to be part of my story that I was supposed to get offended and learn how to have compassion or let it go or get over it or move past it or use that fire in a different way. Like it's so powerful that it's, if you just trust and let go of everything that has happened and, you know, not hold yourself like, um, you know, sabotage yourself because you said something or offended someone like, you, we don't know if our role is actually to be that person. And I do believe that certain people are placed on this planet and in our lives to 
hold us to the fire or put us through Mm -hmm. something really challenging or have a not so great experience for us. And I think it goes back to those core beliefs as if it's really for us, you know, if it's Mm -hmm. all for us, if that's what you believe, then you can kind of create whatever story you want. (laughs) Yeah. And you know, Lori, I wish we had more time because there's, there's so much more that we can go and explore in on this topic. But I, I just want to just like leave this one last little caveat. Okay. Is don't feel pressure to go out there and offend people now. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. Because <laughs> that also is inauthentic, mm-hmm. right? When you're mm-hmm. like, you know, because I had a lot of people say that to me after they saw, man, I'm so excited. I'm just going to go and offend everybody. Oh, I was like, no. Whoa. That's no. not what I meant. <laughs> That's not what I meant. What I mean is show up as yourself. Mm-hmm. Say what you want to say. Cut your hair however you want to cut your hair. You don't have bright pink hair at the time of this recording. Mm-hmm. And people are always like, man, I wish I were brave enough to do it. I'm like, well, why can't you? Well, because you know, people and this and that. If you want hot pink hair, do it. If you want to shave your head, do it. Live your life on your terms. When you do that, you will inspire many nations. Mm-hmm. When you stay living for others, you only really, you don't affect anybody. You're just taking up space in a nation. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, clearly we need a round two. So we'll just, go, <laughs> we'll go into a round two for another time because this yeah. is just like, this has fed my soul. So I know it's affected so many other people. And I just think it came at such a great time in the year and I'm grateful for you. And I just want to acknowledge you for being bold and being brave and, you know, really having, um, you know, and your, your faith today was so inspiring as well. Like you mm. literally lit a fire in my belly. So I can always just, I don't know, I'm always so grateful uh, when I get to have conversations like this. So thank you for how you show up. And I always end on one last question. It's really quick. Are okay. you ready? Yeah. <laughs> like, what the hell is this? <laughs> I'm ready. Oh, but first of all, before I do that, before I forget, where can we find you, follow you, get your books? Yes. Okay. So my first book, Successful People Are Full of Crap, Courage, Resilience, Authenticity, Perseverance, is available on Amazon.com. The preview of chapter one of my upcoming book, Girl Confident, is at girlconfident.com. So you can download a free chapter. That's also going to add you to my VIP hashtag loyal lunatic list. So I call my, my friends, my family, my lunatics. And then if you just want to hang out with me, I'm at rachelluna.biz. And I do want to just let you know, I talked about journaling earlier before If you want to really learn how to journal to manifest more of your desires, I'd love for you to join me over at Faith Activated Journaling Experience. And you can check that out by going to rachelluna.biz forward slash faith. Mm, You guys go check it all out. I got to go down the rabbit hole this morning and I loved it. So definitely, um, if you love this podcast, go check everything out. So Oh, wait, I'm sorry. And I have a podcast. Oh yeah, you have your amazing (laughs) podcast. Share that. (laughs) It's Real Talk with Rachel Luna. We just did our 100th episode. I'm so excited. (laughs) Podcasting is the best. It is like, I know it's so soul nurturing and we get to like share. It's so amazing. It's the best. Okay. So you are in an elevator with someone. It's just a 30 second ride, literally Mm -hmm. total stranger. And they look over at you and they ask you, how can I make myself happy? What do you say? Pray for what you desire. Mm -hmm. Ask without abandon. Ask for everything Mm -hmm. and open yourself to receiving Mm -hmm. that which you desire. 
because all you have to do is truly ask with faith and it will all be given to you. Mm. Mm, So good. You guys, if you loved this episode as much as I did, make sure you share it with a friend right now. Text it, shoot an email, whoever needs it because you're truly gifting them exactly what they need in this moment. So until next time, earn your happy. Bye everyone. Thank you guys so much for spending this time with me on the Earn Your Happy podcast. I am so glad that you stopped by. If you could take one second to share this episode with someone you think would love it, that would be absolutely amazing and we would be forever grateful. Also, please leave us a review if you feel so moved by going to iTunes and leaving us an honest thought and honest comment. Tell us what you think. Tell us what you want to hear more of. It would really help us out on our journey to helping thousands and thousands of people. Until then, don't forget to earn your happy. Thanks again, guys. Bye-bye. Hey, do you know what the big secret is this year? And it shouldn't be a secret because this should be your biggest focus. It is building your community. I am always working on building and nurturing my community. And everyone is talking about the power of community. Without an online community, you just cannot grow organically or create a real movement, which is what I know that we're all after. And you can build trust or monetize your audience. When you get community right, Not only does your audience grow faster, but so do your sales. But where's everybody going to be managing their communities these days? And a lot of online entrepreneurs and thought leaders are turning to circle.so. Circle is an all-in-one community platform. It lets you host content and create discussions, live streams, group chats, and memberships all under your own brand. And what's so cool about Circle.so is that you don't even need a website or Facebook group. Instead, Circle lets you build your own community site where you can host content and manage your members. You can even create locked and unlocked content spaces, groups, and classes. How freaking cool is that? You can put your content behind a paywall too. And you can charge different amounts of money for different spaces on your community site. Circle.so is famously easy to use and it has a free 14 day trial for you. So you can go check it out. See if you like it. See if you love all the options. Just go to circle.so. Go check it out right now. You guys imagine being able to manage your community, start group chats and live classes and accept payments all in one place kind of mind-blowing since this is usually spread all over the place. You have to log into so many different things. If this is the year to capture, organize, and monetize your community, head over to circle.so. You can get a free trial and start building your online community right now. Just go to circle.so. You guys, you get the 14-day free trial. So just go and see if it's for you. It's going to streamline everything and make your life so much easier. It's so freaking cool. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast. And I want to make sure that you have my phone number and I'm not kidding. Did you know that I have a community text number for real? My phone number is 310-496-8363. This goes directly to my phone. All you have to do is text the word daily to 310-496-8363. And I literally text you every single day, Monday through Friday, I actually just got done 30 seconds ago texting a bunch of people back 
and I talk to you all of the time. You guys, people always ask me how I got my community text number and how it works. Well, all you have to do is you can just go to community.com and get your own. Community makes it easy to get a phone number that you can use to build your audience using text. People just text you at your number and they're added to your group. Then you can text them out audios, video links, anything you want. You guys, I text out happy birthday videos. I love to send podcast links, thoughts about life, book recommendations, uh, different events that I'm doing in the local area. Texting gets me out of the noise of social media and directly into your hand. And now you can start texting your people too. Just go to community.com to get your phone number. They give you a 10 digit real phone number, not those weird short codes that look like spam, but it's more than a phone number. Your new number comes with an inbox for SMS and texting. This means you can actually manage your text list from your computer and an app on your phone. You can schedule texts to send at certain times and to certain groups. You can even set up auto replies or let your assistant or customer service team answer your text messages via community's awesome dashboard. Just go to community.com and ask for a free demo. They'll show you how it works and get you your number. It's time to start texting your audience versus just posting on social media. Everyone uses community for that. So go check them out at community.com. I can tell you it's not just great for communicating with my audience, but Chris and I use community and our texts to also sell out our launches. I'm telling you, you get such an incredible response because you really are creating a true deep sense of community. And it's so intimate. It's freaking amazing. Go check it out at community.com. Want to know a huge secret to my success? Okay, not only my success, but just about every single person that I have interviewed on this podcast who is successful has this in common. You guys, they love to journal. They capture their life lessons and what they're grateful for. But a lot of people don't keep this up consistently. And most people do know that the research shows that journaling deepens your gratitude and increases self-awareness. But did you also know that journaling decreases stress and helps you achieve your goals faster? In fact, journaling is a huge differentiator between average performers at work and high-performing people. It leads to longer-term clarity, confidence, and success. So why don't more people journal? Why didn't I journal consistently? Honestly, they don't like staring at a blank page. It's hard to carry a book around with you or a notepad, and they just don't even know what to write about or they just forget. That's why I know that you're going to love Growth Day. It's the world's number one system for self-improvement and it's like all-in-one personal development in an app. And it has an awesome digital journal and people love it. Growth Day's digital journal has hundreds of research-backed writing prompts for self-reflection, positive mindset, confidence building, and success. I use them all the time and it makes me think in ways that I typically don't and it makes me ask myself better questions, which we all know gets better results in our life. 
It even has prompts that help you develop a daily, weekly, or monthly habit of reflecting on your life and identifying areas to grow. So it's a perfect time of year to start journaling, you guys. When you sign up at Growth Day, you also get systems for habit tracking, goal setting, and scoring and improving every area of your life. Best of all, I get to teach there too, you guys. I'm so excited. I hope that I get to see you. I teach live in Growth Day every single month with a new topic just for you. So join me there. Start your free trial at growthday.com slash Lori.